eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time for the opening, the, the, the opening drive. Okay, so Dan, for four and a half hours on Friday morning, uh, I, I listened to callers in Chicago and Bears fans react to uh, on six seventy the score of the Mullen Haw show, and I think that there's an appetite to want to I don't want to say rationalize, but there's there's a deep understanding for what Justin Fields is going through, and to me, it seems as if people are saying and want to believe that the lack of resources with the offensive line and the lack of receivers uh, are mitigating factors, contributing circumstances, however you want to describe it, but they are saying that is a bigger factor than some of the simple things that this young quarterback is not executing. And I think that I just believe, and we'll get into a deep dive of the QB1 later, but I I just believe we'll start here. It's a combination of both. It's not either or. And it's not necessarily, did he make progress? Did he take a step forward or backward? It's just like you want to see more based on what we saw in Minnesota and and Thursday night against the commanders. You didn't see it. You did not see it. You did not see it. Remind me to get back to the step forward, step backwards, because I've got a great story from the beat from 2015 that will be entertaining for our audience. First of all, full disclosure, uh, we need to be honest with our audience since we promised that at the outset of the podcast. You sat in my my seat in the press box on Thursday night because I was unable to attend the game. I've been in uh, isolation. Uh, I, I'm lucky at this moment right now as we're recording to be out of my dungeon in my basement where my family has locked me for the week as I'm, as I'm battling COVID. And so I had to experience that game from the couch like so many Bears fans did watching on Amazon Prime with with Alan Kirk giving me the the play by play and and having really only my uh, my phone to talk to. Right. Like and, and put the Twitter thoughts in. And so I didn't benefit from the, the press box conversation that goes on. So I'd be interested to kind of hear your perspective on kind of what the mood was both inside the press box and in the stadium with the number of mistakes that occurred and the mistakes occurred so early and so often for the quarterback in the offense that there was no denying that the Sunday night or the Sunday afternoon momentum in Minneapolis was the outlier, right? It was, it was pretty apparent by the end of the first quarter that, uh Oh, that wasn't what a lot of people wanted to believe it was. It is the outlier. The bears have played six games. That's the one half where they've had rhythm. None of the other halves have shown an offense that's competent or able to consistently produce and so that's a problem 
So I think the fan base was was getting frustrated and it was a familiar feeling of angst uh, that permeated Soldier Field because the offense was terrible. And I think that, you know, this fan base has grown accustomed to seeing, what did we see last night? We saw a defense that limited the commanders at 218 yards. We saw a defense that deserved to win that football game. They attacked, they tackled pretty well. Now they weren't perfect, but certainly they were good on third down. All these things that were true are things we're used to seeing, but the fan base is fed up. Score touchdowns and the, you know, banging the, and you hear the grumbling after third down misses and overthrows. And I think there's like a growing sort of frustration in the press box. You know, I mean, your seat's next to Big Z, and you know <laughs> that that's a seat that I've been in for a very long time, yeah. um, even before you arrived. So, the, the conversations tend to be very familiar too. And, and, and let's just say that in, in, the people that cover the bears, uh, and, I, and I don't want to speak for the entire beat, but I think that there's an understanding that Justin Fields limitations at some point in time are going to get the best of him when he, um, when, when he's using his legs and he's, he's improvising and he's really looking like the best running back the bears have that's it, not sustainable. And no. I think there's an understanding from people who have covered the league a long time that what we're seeing are, are maybe many red flags. You're missing a tight end for a sure touchdown. You're throwing a pass into the back of a defensive lineman's helmet. These are things that are symptoms of, of, of I don't want to say bad quarterback play, but things that are trending in the wrong direction. So without coming too, down too hard or drawing any conclusions about Justin Fields, I do think there's a feeling like, okay, we've seen this before. We know what a struggling young quarterback looks like, and this looks like a struggling young quarterback. Looks like a quarterback that's overwhelmed at times, right? And and that's that's where the worry creeps in, right? And and that's the problem, David. You look at some of the numbers here, right? You've got uh, if you take the tuck and runs and the sacks into account, you're talking about 42 dropbacks, and you've got 14 completions on the night. That is unforgivable in the NFL. Look, the, the commanders are, are, are okay. They've got a decent defensive front. They can challenge you, and they challenge the Bears' offensive line. But there were so many moments where Justin's first instinct was to get his eyes down and take off and run. And we talked about it. It's one of the reasons that I have invented the TAR stat on WSCR 670, the score, because it was going to be a measure of pocket confidence, of pocket composure, of, of belief that you can trust something in your offense to make plays in your passing game and you don't have to use your legs as a constant crutch. Thursday was an example of Justin trying to use his legs as a constant crutch because he didn't believe in anything. And, and this, this goes back a couple of weeks when, when we came out of New Jersey and we said, there's nothing in this passing offense to believe in. There's still not. And so, and so that, that, that little flash in Minnesota was just that. It was just a flash and it's gone, right? And, and now you got to figure out a way to recreate it. It does feel like it's gone because, you know, the things about his, I don't want to call them happy feet, but, you know, the protection broke down so quickly that's very hard to judge and to blame him for taking his eyes and, and moving, you know, to the wrong spot. You know, he had receivers drop passes. Yeah. Uh, Smith Marset again on fourth down. You know, frankly, Darnell Mooney, if he doesn't bobble that last play at the goal line, if he catches it and comes down, 
we're it's having a different conversation today, aren't we? But so, should we be? And that's my question, right? Should we be? Because you say the, the, like the conclusion is the Bears were inches away, and and the follow up question is inches away from what? Inches away from a thirteen to twelve win over a team that hadn't won in thirty two days and was an absolute mess coming in. So so what does that ultimately do for you? Except maybe lead you back to the fountain of false hope, right? But, and, and and conceal the nonsense and the errors and the failure that occurred. Okay, but let's stay consistent, Dan. We don't want to be hypocrites here because I think that what it does is that if you're able to talk about these flaws in the context of a victory, you're crediting the victory because it's part of a culture, a winning culture that you're trying to create. So it's much better to talk about this stuff if you had won, if you had stolen one, regardless of what else it implied. You don't want to mask these problems and you can't just say, oh, well, you know, we won and big deal. No. You treat the you, you treat the problems like you're looking for solutions, win or lose. But it's much easier to do. I think it's much it's much more enjoyable to do if you win, and it's more productive and meaningful to your organization because you're creating that culture where you expect to win. Yeah, I just feel like uh, uh, Darnell Mooney catches that ball cleanly and it's fool's gold for a lot of people. A lot of people see it as fool's gold and we're there. Listen, we promised our producer, Adam Stanzinski, an opportunity to come in for an appointment on the couch. He said he was very angry this morning and and needed to to have a therapy session. And we volunteered our services to be his therapist. We've got a lot of points to make, but I think some of them would be well served if Adam comes in here. uh, First of all, we'll get his copay and then we'll put him on the couch and (laughs) and and see what we can do for us. So, Studs, welcome in. All right, I got five dollars in my pocket. I'll hand it off next time I see one of you guys. <laughs> Perfect. So how, bad, okay. how, Venmo, how, bad, right. how bad is it? How bad was it? So uh, I'm a little calmer now that I. <laughs> and when I was texting you guys, I will say I just finished my workout, so my angst just was still kind of up in the air. And but in the moment after the game last night, I'm even texting texting a buddy. I'm just like, and we've both we were both huge Bears fans. And we're both just angry as 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 can be. And I try to keep myself calm. And I try to use the analytical side of me to calm the Bears fan side of me. But it wasn't happening. I drove home angry. I woke up angry. I finished my workout angry. I'm a little calmer now. But I, I, when, you, when we say, like, when we were talking, texting this morning, we're saying try to relax. So that's what I need. How do I relax? And I know that they're a bad team. And, you know, I understand that. <laughs> but like, breathing, yeah, breathe. Breathe and breathe and breathe. And so I know they're a bad team. I know that progression isn't linear when we talk about Justin Fields and, and taking steps backward and forward. So that's what I need, just a calming, soothing presence. Well, this is these are some of my rules here, right? And, and so this is kind of maybe to help you reset expectations as we go forward. Everything that you want to do should be based on critical thinking and not wishful thinking, right? That's a, a principle that I live by on this beat because I think a lot of Bears fans fell into the wishful thinking trap coming out of, out of Minnesota. And it was why I pushed back so hard on what I called hyperbole in the reaction to what Justin Fields accomplished on Sunday because it was all, oh, we, we really hope that it's this. But critical thinking told you, no, we had had enough of a, a, a ample size at that point to realize that that needed to be followed up by a mountains full of, of, of consistent type production that looked just like that to start to believe that something meaningful was happening. And so that would be my first piece of advice. And, and then Dr. David can, can offer part of his prescription as well. Well, I, I think that the thing that I continue to tell uh, people, Bears fans, I suppose, is that number one, 
uh, try to have some restraint or discipline. And you're a fan, so it's kind of contrary to the whole idea of, of fanaticism. Is that? But you, if you're tr- looking for conclusions to draw about a quarterback that is 16 games into his NFL career, I think you are you're, you're going to be asking for trouble or problems. Criticizing is not concluding, and you know, and and criticism. Growth without criticism isn't real growth because you have to be able to identify what's not going well to be able to uh, appreciate things when they do improve. So I would just like say to people, and we spent four and a half hours talking about this on Friday morning, is that like, okay, you don't have to like this, but I think what it does is that is that last week when we're advising people not to get over their skis with excitement over what happened in Minnesota – I would think just this week, because I think it w- there were some things that you really didn't like to see. Don't pile on either. Somewhere in the middle, find find uh, your happy place, the the happy medium, and where you can appreciate the thirty nine year old thirty nine yard runs, where you know it reminds you how special he is. But also, don't forget that you know he overthrew Ryan Griffin for a wide open pass in the in, in the end <laughs> yeah. zone. Yeah, and somewhere in between there is what you're working with here. So on a former podcast, the bear download podcast with Rich Campbell back in the day, we had to follow the development of another young quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. And and a question that we asked almost weekly was based on what, right? Whatever conclusion that is being drawn out there, ask yourself, ask the people that are trying to tell you that this is the conclusion that should be drawn based on what, right? What, what, what evidence do we have to support that? And right now, I, 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 man, I'm telling you, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I think the worst fear of Bears fans is that there's a possibility that Justin Fields isn't the answer. And if that fear is being sort of gnawed at every game and, and with performances as, as, as woeful as Thursday nights, all of a sudden you say, man, I don't know, how much more of this I can take, which I'm assuming is what you were feeling in the, in the, the gym rage studs and, and what was there, right? Like, what am I even investing my time for if this is all just leading to another reset at the most important position and another rebuild and another, you know, lengthy climb up the mountain? And so this is all kind of entangled together and in, in, in trying to figure out what are the conclusions that need to be drawn and what are they based on? And, and David, you mentioned something really notable that that was just Justin's 16th career start, right? And that's notable because now we have a full season's worth of numbers. I'm just going to read you a few of them. 57.7% completion percentage, 2,739 passing yards, 11 touchdown passes, 15 interceptions. That's just on the uh, on the scale. That's a passer rating of 73.1. That's 16 games worth of evidence that tell you, boy, this uh, this has a long way to go for it to be what Bears fans want it to ultimately become. So, Adam, I want to ask you this before we let you go here. So, if you hear those numbers and you watch that game last night and you are wanting to look at this, you're kind of a wishful thinker, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of yeah. fans. How much responsibility, how do you divvy it up? That's what I was going to say. The responsibility between the quarterback, the lack of resources, and maybe the coaching and play calling. I think that kind of what you guys were hinting at, I think I, I try to look at the collective I look at the plays that Justin should make, and then I look at the plays his guys around him should make, and I look at the way that the offense is being called. And I think should it be a little different? I was talking with talking about this in depth with a friend on my on my way in this morning on the train about the offensive scheme, but that's a whole other thing. So I, I try to look at it all collectively, and and we talk about the extremes. You guys are hinting at it of. People saying he's bad. People saying he's going to be fine. And he's somewhere in the middle, right? Like the answer is probably in the middle, somewhere in there. 
So I look at it as I try to balance it in my head and I, and I'll get, you know, we got 11 days before the next game and I'll balance it out eventually. And I'm far from making any calls on him like you guys are. It's, you know, in the moment last night, you guys mentioned this too, the underlying fear of we're going to mess up another quarterback is just always there. So you see a performance like last night and you say, oh, geez, come on. <laughs> like, like I thought we were making progress and, and it's hard to not react angrily and angsty in the moment. It's debilitating. I mean, it really is debilitating because it's a, a, a Groundhog Day cycle that, that just it, it, it's so familiar. And so it's because it's not the first time you've been through it, every time you go through it, it becomes a little bit more intense. And, and, and it's it's absolutely mystifying. Listen, guys, there are still people to this day that say the Bears drafting Patrick Mahomes in 2017 would have been would not have have helped the franchise that they would have found a way to screw him up and my reaction to that is if you truly believe that the bears could have taken a surefire hall of fame talent and and, and messed up his career to the point where he wouldn't have had success in your organization, then why are you following that organization, <laughs> right? Like that is the, the most hopeless cause that there absolutely could be. And, and so people who draw that conclusion, I, I just tell you, go go find a new team because th this is not the group for you. Geography, heredity. Those <laughs> yeah. are very powerful things to overcome, Dan. I mean, I get it. Plains fandom as much as any other reason. I right? get it, but if but but if you believe that you can't even succeed with the greatest hand dealt, then then when are you going to succeed, right? And that's I, that's that's my question. All right, Studs, you doing okay though? You going to be able to make it through this podcast? <laughs> yeah, I'll be all right. All right, I'll survive. Thank you. You got eleven days till New England. Thanks for sharing your yeah. angst with us. <laughs> all right, so Dan. We talked about conclusions, and we will get in a deeper dive on QB1 in the next segment. Uh, here, here are a couple conclusions that came out of last night to me, and then you can share a few if you want. <laughs> Number one, Velas Jones can't return another punt this season. When you put him back there, bad things happen. Two of the last three games now, fourth quarter muff punts. You can't accept that if you want to have any kind of standard of accountability in that locker room. Number two, the defense, as we said, deserved better. I like the way that Allen Williams reconfigured some things, kind of shot some blitzers up the middle. Roquan Smith had a sack. That was nice to see. Brisker came off. Uh, the edge a couple times, and I think that that pressure created some issues for Carson Wentz, who really wasn't very good. The other thing about uh, special teams is that you know you, you can't have you can't have them be a liability when you have your margin for error so thin. And the Valus Jones thing speaks for itself. Um, and offensively, boy, I am tired of seeing Amir Smith Marset <laughs> on the field when it matters, and he dropped the fourth down pass to him and then the bears get the ball back and the last thing about the receivers darna mooney i love your approach you are the consummate pro but if you want to be considered a number one number one receiver you've got to catch that ball the first time without the bobble because without the bobble we might have been selling fool's gold this morning but the bears would have had a victory well, I'll also say i agree with you that darna mooney's got to catch that that football on the first uh the first try and not lose it in the lights as he said he did after the game. I also think that if you watch that play, Justin's got to get rid of that ball about two thirds of a second quicker. And if right. it's on, if it's on your receiver quicker and you're not taking the long windup and you got it right when he comes out of his break, it's a touchdown and two plays earlier. And we'll get into this in QB one as well. He had Darnell Mooney open for another touchdown and the ball got batted down. Uh, I do think your, your points about the defense are, are, are well said 214 yards allowed 
David, in an NFL game in 2022, you hold the opponent to two for 11 efficiency on third down and you walk out of that stadium with a loss, right? Like, I don't know how those guys get themselves up on Friday morning and say, man, like we, we have to continue to put in the same level of effort and fight and hustle and discipline, because when you put in that kind of effort and, and you don't get rewarded for it, it is, it is absolutely maddening. And that, that's, that's going to sting. That's going to sting for, for a few days here for sure. I, I agree with you, but I also think about this, and I'll spin it this way. If I were in that defensive unit, I would be disappointed, obviously, because you lost, but it would also be somewhat of an emboldening night for, for me as a unit because, like, our confidence has not been high because we have been gouged and we have been gashed. And, you know, so you come up big – on national TV, okay, I know it was the commanders, and I know they're missing key guys and their their best, uh, most productive receiver in the red zone and all those things, but you still held an NFL team to 214 uh, yards and two of 11 on third downs and and 12 points in the, the last touchdown drive. The only touchdown drive was, you know, six yards. Right. So I – you, right. you have a lot to feel good about, and you can build off of defensively for the Bears. And a six-yard touchdown drive because the guy that you drafted on day two of the draft because you thought he was an explosive specialist in part fumbles a punt for the second time in three games. And and, and look, you give him a one-off in, in New Jersey. When you come back, David, that ball hit him in the face mask. He was stumbling. He didn't look comfortable. It looked like he had never taken a single punt off a jugs machine or been coached in any way, shape, or form. And that, that that's it's just unfor- for unforgivable. It's a game-losing mistake. There were many of them in the game. It wasn't the only game-losing mistake, but it's a game-losing play. And so there have to be ramifications for that, as you mentioned. And I think for, for Matty Bielfus's it's it's finding somebody else who can go catch punts. And then Maddie Ripley said after the game, number one job, catch the ball first. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I think Luke Getze had a couple moments that he probably would want to ha- have back in terms of calls that he made. And, you know, third and one, again, when you're running the ball as effectively as the Bears ran the ball. And and I I know that it came on two big chunk plays, Herbert with the 64-yarder and, and Fields with his 39-yarder, but the Bears had 238 rushing yards. Whenever you're in third and less than two, I don't understand why that's not an invitation when you're running the ball that well to get the first down. Here's where you go. Here's where we block, especially with an offensive line that doesn't protect the passer very well and is a liability, and your quarterback's getting pressured more than anybody who drops back in the league. So Luke Getze also, like Matt Eberflus, like Justin Fields, developing on the job, and I think last night was part of that. In a nutshell, my conclusion, the Bears are bad based on what? The six games that we've watched, right? I mean, that's it. That's 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 my nutshell conclusion, and we'll see if they can make improvements from here. You know in the NFL, if you have a three-game losing streak, that qualifies as a crisis because I don't care if Ted Phillips wants to rationalize and say they can build character out of this, and boy, look at us. We overcame that three-game losing streak, whatever years that was. Three-game? It's six games. That it they, six they, games. They, they, they wait for six games to judge the character of the, the response. Well, the Bears are halfway toward <laughs> building really strong character then. No but question. You, you are in, in crisis mode now, so Matt Eberflus, he's going to take 10, 11 days. He talked about reassessing everything, which I think is interesting because – that is the point where he is at, and, and I wonder what that means. I think it probably you look at the offensive line, there might be some 
uh, modest adjustments. I don't know where they go, Riley Reef maybe, but it's something that they have time now to consider. Yeah, look, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot they need to consider, and I felt like uh, you were there. That Matt was certainly open-minded, leaving Soldier Field on Thursday night and saying, "Look, we've got some time now to to step back and really judge where change needs to be made." 